Lots to get to here today. Got to catch up on news. Talk about the Sacramento Kings. Five and three. Four straight wins. Uh, but first, this from BetQL. If you want an edge over Vegas, download BetQL, the app you need to get an advantage this season. Discover value bets, line movement, and find out what bets the public backs with BetQL. The best part, it is free to download from your mobile device. Head to BetQL.co and use promo code CAPSPACE for your three-day trial. Give yourself an advantage over Vegas and download BetQL. That's BetQL.co, promo code CAPSPACE. All right, let's change up here a little bit. We'll start off, Danny, with some news. And I think the fiasco in Cleveland is probably the place to begin. Yeah, I mean, right now you have the situation where Larry Drew, now undefeated as the interim head coach of the Cleveland hey, Cavaliers, he, but he does now, not want to be the interim he head now coach has of the as Cleveland many Cavaliers. wins without LeBron as Ty Lue did. Who was one and eighteen? Yeah. Maybe, maybe he just, maybe he just needs to stay the yeah. voice <laughs> of the coaching staff of the Cleveland yeah. Cavaliers. And so, yeah, it's this weird thing. Basically, the the situation is that Larry Drew wants either more money, a uh, a greater assurance of something beyond this year. And as of right now, it sounds like Dan Gilbert is unwilling to give that to him. And it's a weird circumstance because it's not a great job, but it is still a job. And so Larry Drew's kind of evaluating, seeing what leverage he has. I mean, he doesn't have a ton, especially considering he's willing to coach under this interim label at least for now whether he accepts it or not he is coaching under it right now and maybe they could get somebody else maybe somebody else on the staff maybe not they are you know they did get that win over the Atlanta Hawks today and then I cracked up Jason Lloyd's piece for the athletic kind of talking about a lot of this drama he got Mike Brown current Warriors assistant two-time Cavs head coach to talk oh, no, to him no, about no, no, it. no 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 a former Mike... employee once told me that's not actually a quote from Mike Brown oh yeah that's right that's right yeah but the, the quote yeah, so, is hilarious uh, yeah, though. but basically the quote is hilarious. So, so basically, he was talking about that's right. It was in the context of talking about Brown, who is who has been paid by the Cavs since 2005 because they basically stretch out this money even if you're no longer with the team. Kind of like what we talk about with stretching for players. But the quote from a former employee is: "Working for Dan Gilbert sucks while you're doing it, but it's great after you're fired." Yeah, and Drew expressing his disappointment to the media today that it's been 72 hours, he said, they, and that they haven't agreed on any contract adjustment. He was making uh, over a million dollars, which is interesting. But And Lloyd said that with no coach above him, maybe he floated the idea that he could be in violation of his contract if he doesn't continue to coach. I wonder, I would be very interested to read that contract and see what it says about these situations. Uh, you know, he can still operate as the assistant, but since he is the lead guy, maybe he's in violation of his contract by not being uh, the head coach because the coach above him got fired. Uh, that'd be very interesting to see here. Um, I would say the place to go from here here is Houston. I mean, James Harden, he's likely out through Friday at least. And the tentative plan right now is to test Thursday and then decide Friday. And it's too early to make any big, big pronouncements, but it's looking a lot harder to win without him this year than it has in prior years, especially last year when they, you know, he missed that time due to hamstring issue, a different hamstring issue. And they were able to survive it pretty well. And they had Chris Paul then as they do right now. Yeah. And Paul really struggling to score. James Ennis is still out. Harden, may return on friday he's going to kind of test things out thursday it didn't they have a back-to-back though so you imagine at the very least he's going to miss one of those two games out of that back-to-back friday saturday uh that friday game is at brooklyn and 
but I mean, the problem is they're just like, they just look awful. Like they got blown out. Game Lord didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter uh, against Portland. They just can't stop anybody to save their lives. They're not scoring well either, uh, which is another problem. And, you know, how much of that is the awesome tag team duo of Michael Carter-Williams and Carmelo Anthony having to play a lot. Uh, Nene being out, I think, has really hurt them because whenever Capella is on the bench, they are just absolutely getting wrecked in any area that big men are important for. Um James Ennis obviously is out too, but we saw them get worked pretty badly when Harden was healthy. Harden coming back isn't going to help the defense unless he takes Melo's minutes, then he probably actually would help the defense. Uh, you know, but again, we uh, we need to get into them a little bit more here to make any serious pronouncements. I did not watch any of that Portland game today, but you know, seeing what people I trust were saying about it, it was not pretty. But I think it's worth just noting here: this harkens back to 2015-16, a team with huge expectations. You'll recall that they traded for Ty Lawson; they had made it to the West Finals and lost to the Warriors just as they did last year. They felt like they had gotten reinforcements and they started off incredibly poorly and i think they were four and seven when they fired kevin McHale. things did not particularly turn around under jb bickerstaff and you know they ended up 41 and 41 and got worked in the playoffs by a steph curryless warriors team so just worth watching here i mean they are not competing right now they should not be this bad i mean maybe they should be because the personnel is just this bad but you know with the high level players they have this is not acceptable they were totally fine when harden was out chris paul was able to lead them to some victories they were competing they weren't this is just desultory efforts getting completely blown out and you know if that continues perhaps there'll be a thought that you know i think with all the injuries he'll get some more time but if things don't turn around quickly when harden comes back i think there might be a chance that d'antoni could be in some jeopardy here uh but hopefully they will turn around they certainly uh are miles behind some of their competitors in the west as of now um in denver tyler lyden who we talked about yesterday on as one of the players who might have the ultra rare third year option decline the nuggets discussed in their news release picking up other rookie scale options but Leiden was not mentioned that usually means that the option will be declined i felt like they actually should have picked it up even though he hasn't shown much uh and then in injury news for denver you know they've got jared vanderbilt isaiah thomas michael porter all just on the shelf with no update vanderbilt at least mike malone said a couple days ago that He's still a ways away from practicing, uh, coming off those foot injuries that he suffered in college. One quick thing we didn't mention in the Houston section, Marquise Chris is now available, but we'll see what that actually means. And his option will actually be decided on Halloween. We haven't heard anything yet. My expectation is that it will be declined, but we don't know that yet. Can move on to a former Rocket, Luke Richard and Bamute has missed the last few games with a sore left knee. Fortunately for the LA Clippers, they have a lot of other forward depth. I mean, right now, Ty, uh, Tobias Harris, Gallo, Mike Scott, those guys are, are, are all healthy. And so they, they aren't needing Luke as much, but he certainly brings something valuable over the course of the season. I haven't heard any specific prognosis of how long he'll They be looked awesome in the first half in OKC, led by 13, and then they drove by 16 when the third quarter was over because they got outscored 39 to 10. It's just an absolute OKC avalanche there. I think the next place to go is Phoenix, another of the rookie options that we'd speculated might not be picked up. And in fact, Dragon Bender's uh, nearly $6 million team option for his fourth year was not picked up. Bender remains only 20, uh, amazingly enough, but we would have probably declined it as well because he just is not showing any signs of being in a rotation right now. And like Mario Hazonia last year, there is a possibility just because the option to the decline amount is so high that if he shows more this year than we expect that he could just come back 
contract and they, yeah. they could re-sign him. That didn't end up happening with Hazonia for a couple different reasons. We should also correct, it is incredible to me that both of us blanked on the most prominent oh recent declined option signing for more money, considering we spent six months talking about it. But Solomon Hill got his option declined by the Indiana Pacers and then made a bunch of money in the summer of 2016 with the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, and that's really, I think, the only one that I can recall uh, that was the most prominent. But that was one where we thought, hey, it was probably really dumb to decline his option. Because I thought he had actually shown something the year before. Mm-hmm. And also remember, he wasn't a guy, he was, you know, the 23rd pick. He His option was like 2 million bucks or something at, at the time. So, uh, and obviously he got overpaid by the Pelicans, as it turned out, although certainly injuries have had something to do with his uh, inability to contribute. Um, but yeah, thanks to those who tweeted that at, at us. And uh, let me just tell you, getting old sucks to forget about stuff like that. Uh, and then also Devin Booker, no indication that he's going to be back on Wednesday. He was doing some light shooting over the weekend, but not a ton of intensity. So it seems unlikely he's going to play on Wednesday with that hamstring. Portland, despite the fact that they are playing very well of late, Dame Lillard has been on fire. Zach Collins is having an amazing start to the season, but Mo Harkless now has missed two straight. It was said that he would be available earlier in the day and then was not able to go with that left knee soreness. And that, of course, is the knee that he uh, was operated on last year. And... Uh, he struggled with that soreness in camp has not been 100 percent. and if they really want to get to where they want to be this year you know he's going to have to contribute for them they need still one more guy uh as, as a combo forward on this team who can be effective i don't think that jake layman is that although you know he has been getting some minutes at least and it might be more of a playoff issue than a regular season thing but i mean that's a part of going to be how they define success this year and i think they need him for the regular season as well hull netto is dealing with a hamstring issue he's going to be out for a least two more games and Derek favors after missing utah's most recent game is questionable for their wednesday night tilt against the minnesota timberwolves yeah that's another thing to monitor as favors uh, has struggled with knee soreness the wizards we may see them play the 13 14 chicago bulls game where they just try to go for two weeks and then cut a guy and go for two weeks with 13 players you basically have two weeks to get a 14th player on your roster if you go down below that and just to save the tax money uh so they're going to sign Chess and Randall now to reach that 14-player minimum, and they had, were down to 13 after the Jody Meeks trade. And this is a team that certainly could use some reinforcements with Markeith Morris out with a concussion. They basically have no bigs uh, right now. They're starting Jan Mihimi, but you know he'll fall out in about three seconds. And Jason Smith uh, with Morris out with a concussion, and still no word uh, on Dwight Howard right now either. Switching to the Western Conference, Alfred Payton is still out with a right ankle sprain. Anthony Davis is oh, doubtful man, for sucks. their Wednesday night game I, I, at Oracle. I thought he was questionable against the, the Warriors. That's that's too bad. I was really looking forward to that game. Yeah, the the official Pelicans report had him listed as doubtful. I mean, sometimes teams play fast and loose with that, but certainly disappointing if he ends up not playing. Andrew Wiggins has now missed three straight games. He is questionable for Wednesday against the Utah Jazz, the game we just talked about. And Sean Livingston is so he told. Anthony Slater that he's so he's missed the last few games with a foot issue it started in their last preseason game which was the one they played in San Jose and he may get another MRI soon but the the expectation is that it's not a major issue they just want to be really patient with it and and let it go out and they they've been the Warriors have done something really interesting with Livingston out the expectation would be well first of all a lot of people think of Livingston as Steph Curry's backup that's not rigidly true he plays a lot with Curry and replaces Clay Thompson but they've done a lot without a traditional point guard they 
they've been using Iguodala, Draymond Green, guys like that. And so the the second unit when Curry sits at the beginning of the second and fourth, when it's not garbage time like it has been a lot, has been with Iguodala, Green, McKinney, Jarebko, and then just kind of Draymond, whoever whoever else the, the fifth guy is. And it's done pretty well. It's kind of, if you have enough ball handling, you don't need somebody who defends ones, especially if they can have Clay out there in those units, which they often do. Another news for Golden State, Damian Jones' option was in fact picked up uh, for uh, next year. I'd advocated that they not pick it up. Uh, we, we discussed that extensively on yesterday's show. Uh, this one slipped by us over the weekend. Tyreek Evans actually was suspended for a game in Indy. And while they have been very much complimentary of how he has fit in there and like how he's tried to embrace the concepts during games, he basically, it sounded like he was suspended for being late a lot. Uh, and Evans has a little bit of a reputation as a partier, so that's not usually a good combination. Uh, so that'll be something to monitor at least a little bit there. But, you know, if you're trying to read the tea leaves of, all right, is he going to be in Indy or, you know, why maybe doesn't he get a long-term contract uh after this year why didn't he get a long-term contract last summer in addition to the market being a little tight you know maybe there's a, a little bit of smoke as to why that is uh in milwaukee Giannis diagnosed with uh concussion symptoms he i don't know if they specifically said he has a concussion but he is now in the concussion protocol after initially having to stay in the game he kind of got dazed a little bit in uh their game over the weekend then had to leave the game went back to like a dark area for concussion testing which he then passed came back in and then again suffered some more symptoms later on i, I believe i don't recall the exact timeline and I, I don't think it's that important to go look it up um so you know maybe there's a, an idea that they didn't quite follow the protocol because it's a, essentially like d- is there reason to believe the player may have suffered a concussion and that he should have been taken out a, a little bit earlier um but you know certainly concussions may be asymptomatic until later but there definitely was you know when you see a guy kind of looking dazed like that maybe there should be a little bit more of a adherence to the protocol in that situation um what else we got here another declined option henry ellinson will not be playing on his the fourth year of his rookie scale deal the as i advocated for as you advocated for on yesterday's podcast and also luke Kennard is dealing with a shoulder issue he will be reevaluating about two weeks the current estimate is somewhere in the two to four range there's a little bit of conflicting reporting though sometimes with shoulders it might be a distinction without a difference so two to four weeks is the timeline that i see joint sprain is the, the diagnosis there and back to ellinson you know we were both in agreement he has shown nothing so far uh really in summer league uh not really a good fit other than his ability to shoot and miss jump shots but it's especially you know sometimes you'll see guys options picked up like this when it's the same regime that drafted him and they almost want to have some plausible deniability that oh yeah maybe this guy could work out but with a new coach and a new management structure in place there was no reason uh for them to keep him from an optics standpoint any longer and then in miami who have uh really been struggling Wayne Ellington is available. He did not play over the weekend. I didn't check whether he played tonight. And James Johnson uh, still didn't play uh, against the Kings. Did he play tonight? Let me check. Neither James Johnson nor Wayne Ellington played in their 125-113 loss to the Charlotte Hornets and in toronto they've kept rolling right along here but fred van vliet has missed four straight with a toe injury uh but dalen wright is back uh, from his groin injury and uh their eastern conference competitors boston is Aaron baines back yet yeah he played 12 minutes in their narrow win against 
uh, Detroit, and I didn't see it. I, I, I'm actually not sure I saw much of his minutes, so, but but he is back, so that's yeah, good. Daniel Tice, they, they need Baines back because Tice is dealing with a slight tear of the plantar fascia in his right foot. He'll be in a walking boot for two weeks and day-to-day after that. So we still we still won't get to see Robert Williams yet, I, I suppose, unless they start blowing some people out, which uh, they haven't quite been doing yet. It was another pretty close win, although Kyrie did finally break out after shaving uh, his beard and going to a more close-cropped haircut. Now that he's back to having a haircut you can set your watch to, uh, he dropped 31 points uh, on only 20 shooting possessions. Uh, let's talk now about uh, Toronto and Philly, which was the marquee game uh, of the night. But first, I want to just tell you about us, the Patreon that we have set up, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. The big new goodie there is ad-free podcasts. Uh, which uh liam cuts out the ads uh, and posts them there and we, we have a ton of other content as well including salary cap sheets um uh, that are updated very quickly with each transaction i think as quickly as anyone uh, that i know of updates them and we uh post those in particular during heavy transaction periods and also have projections uh with a little bit of subjective analysis there too on what teams cap situations are going to look like going forward and then we also posted today our monthly mailbag podcast danny and liam were kind enough to do it when i was on my honeymoon but now uh, i'm back we got into some really interesting questions on that today so thanks so much for those let's talk to philly and toronto now danny uh, your thoughts initially here the same concerns that we had doing the philly boston game on opening night are still really present that their their offense doesn't have the same rhythm against these truly elite competition i mean and the the raptors are absolutely that when they're when they're humming and remember they were missing fred van vliet in this game they were relying more heavily on guys i mean renzo brown played a few minutes you know i thought he looked fine nothing too big there and cj miles is playing more than you would expect when they're at full strength and all that kind of stuff and also Kawhi leonard he's not all the way you know he's still not all the way back but he's still to me looking better than i expected at this point in the year considering all the just tendinopathy and every all the weird stuff they had last year i have trouble calibrating on an injury that i completely don't understand and don't really have a a way to to measure it so i don't know if i was maybe low on him it's still unclear what his you know where he's going to get to eventually like when we're talking three four months from now but i think overall he's looking he's looking quite good right now yeah i mean based on his stats the last few games that he's played and he obviously did not play last night against the boxes they got drubbed but Giannis also missed that game with the concussion I mean 31 points got to the foul line 10 times he was 9 of 10 2 of 5 from 3 10 and 19 from the field for steals he was awesome defensively four assists too which was solid for him and all that in only 34 minutes so that's really really impressive uh Kyle Lowry continued he's leading the NBA in assists right now he had 20 and 12 uh on only 16 shooting possessions uh did have five turnovers but that was nothing compared to one Ben Simmons who had 11 of the Sixers 23 turnovers the one bright spot for the Sixers so far other than Joel Embiid just continuing to absolutely dominate and he had 31 again tonight uh, on very efficient line uh was the Sixers weren't turning it over as much but that changed in a big way and you know we saw how they turned it over a lot against Boston this is another very hungry defensive unit and they just the every passing window that they seemed to think would be open whether it was driving trying to dump the 
the ball off someone would come in from the backside wing usually Kawhi or Danny Green and or Siakam and get a hand on it uh Toronto got most of the loose balls as well unless it was a, a defensive rebound where the Sixers actually did get 17 offensive rebounds uh and the Sixers just did not look nearly athletic enough and I think also Ben Simmons I'm not sure how he can score efficiently against these good defenses who actually have guys that he can't just overpower or blow past in transition he doesn't have enough in the tool shed right now from a skill standpoint He's going to have to add a couple of things. And because these teams that have a lot of talent, they don't need to scramble as much on Ben Simmons. So those passing lanes, because he's a spectacular passer. If you overreact to Simmons, we talked about this a little bit with Draymond Green on the 15 and 60 with the Warriors. If you overreact to him as a, as a scorer, then he can kill you as a passer. But teams aren't doing that as much. They're getting better with the scouting report. I also thought Danny Green did a nice job defensively. You know, his box score line wasn't anything spectacular, but I thought he just battling through different possessions. And this was another example of of good Siakam, bad Siakam. I mean, so he has some plays that that just you totally understand why he's a big part of this lineup. I mean, physically talented, ha- and it was all reflected for me on this one big play where he had a, a beautiful steal. Ball was in, ball was on the inside, and then I think it was Simmons threw through a pass to the corner, and it was a tough read and then a tough reaction to get the steal. Siakam gets it. They're pushing down. The Sixers are totally flat footed because they had all those guys around the basket because you had a guy in the corner, two guys under the basket, beat all those guys back. Siakam never passes the ball and just throws it away when he's trying to get to Serge Ibaka. And I think the good parts of that are far, far, far more important than the bad parts because they can be ironed out. But as we saw in the in the game against the Celtics, the smartest teams and the best teams are going to be able to exploit that. So the elimination of weaknesses or the mitigation of weaknesses it might not be as big a problem in the regular season. But if Toronto is trying to go to those big stakes and they're relying on Siakam, which they very well might, it's going to be harder. Though we should mention OG and Anobi didn't play in this game due to personal reasons. Yeah, Siakam... I mean, overall, he had 15 points uh, on 10 shooting possessions and and 15 rebounds, uh, two assists, three steals of his own. Oh yeah, he had a yeah. great game. I want I want to yeah. be very clear on that. Yeah, he was and very I, good I echoed what game. you've said about like uh, the skill area, but you know he actually was able. It was more good than bad for him offensively in this one. Although you know it is a little bit of adventure, but you know he was just destroying Dario Saric a couple of times with like these spin moves. No help ever really came on, on him. He was just able to get right to the rim for for a layup off a of one hard. Drive and then a spin move um a few other observations here you know i don't think that this was marco fultz didn't play well but this wasn't his fault uh i didn't think you know he was only negative five and uh he and the sixers you know were very aggressive on the offensive boards uh but they also gave up 27 fast break points so uh, that was feast or famine for them uh fultz in particular goes to the offensive glass a lot which i just you know i haven't really seen him kill it on there uh fultz defensively did struggle though uh you know he at least seems to understand where he's supposed to direct the ball in the screen roll game but then he's not able to stay attached once he does direct the ball like he'll just fall way behind he'll get picked off afterwards he'll get totally wrong footed even though he does send the ball the right way um so you know he's still been pretty rough defensively I and mean, we're starting to see more of the university of washington faults on defense which is not great um Philly did try to press their advantage to some degree against some of the smaller units because with OG out, they had to play Miles at the four. They're a little small. Mike Muscala got some post-ups, got some offensive rebounds. Um, I thought Simmons also could have been better defensively. Uh, there was one play against Kawhi Leonard where Kawhi faced him up. And, and this is probably Simmons' biggest weakness last year is just he's not that great and he doesn't have the biggest wingspan either at just contesting shots from jump shooters that he's guarding. And so he just had his hands down and Kawhi just faced up and didn't never took a dribble and just drained 
Shane did. I mean, Kawhi's going to make that every single time. Um, Valanchunas was awesome. He had 23 points in 17 minutes. He did a lot of that damage against Embiid in the first half as well uh, when he was on the second unit. And uh, I mean, I think that's all I got. I, I just very worrisome for Philly. Not, I, I mean both in a temporary sense that hey you know what they still don't have that many guys off the bench there's the Fultz issue who knows with that you know their support guys may not be that good they're really really overly reliant on reddick who's playing more minutes than last year in some of these games despite coming off the bench and starting the second half uh their backup big situation is not amazing although mescal has helped with that a little bit although he's playing mostly at the four not at center uh but then the the more macro issue is you know how effective can their big stars be in particular simmons you know i think Embiid. i think he's only had one bad game this year that was against the Celtics he's been up there you know high 20s on pretty efficient scoring every other game if not more than that so I'm uh and he's got the turnovers down too he only had two turnovers two turnovers tonight I think he's averaging only about two turnovers which is great considering uh the amount of usage he's had but you just wonder about whether their best guys can be as good and as versatile and as modern as some of the best guys on, on these other teams and the early returns certainly indicate as Philly has fallen to four and four oh of four on the road that they are not not in the same echelon as the Celtics, Raptors, and Bucks, all of whom they have lost to quite handily. One other thing I want to mention for the story of this game, Kawhi Leonard played 34 minutes, but he also missed a little bit of time because he got, it was a very weird play. It looks like he got poked in the eye, but actually I think he got elbowed in the eye by inadvertently by Robert Covington. Covington was contesting a drive, and it's good that he came back on the floor, but we'll, we'll see if there are any lingering effects. We're just, we just saw a guy get hit in the head and play and then have to miss games, so I, I I don't think this is a concussion situation. I just wanted to mention it to monitor. Yeah, you thought that it might be, but he came back and he he looked uh quite good after that and he still was you know making plays defensively uh so the, the, i mean you can't go crazy uh, with the this concussion stuff sometimes uh you know you have to trust that the doctors there are doing their best job possible um you know unless it's something where it's just egregiously obvious from the outside let's turn to the now five and three sacramento kings and they have actually played five of their eight games on the road they have won four straight wins over okc memphis which is actually looking like a decent win at Miami and now at Orlando the Magic now two and five one and three at home I think I want to just start with talking about how this was a very gritty game from De'Aaron Fox he had 14 and five and five turnovers which was not a great line but he started the game as questionable due to back soreness and then after back-to-back drives against John Isaac early where he looked more explosive he really just didn't look good and he was uh, getting heating treatment on his back and you know just uh, was struggling he had three fouls in the first half because he just like couldn't really move his feet and stay in front of some of the magic point guards but he actually managed to get warmed up and summon a little more burst in the fourth quarter when the magic were coming back and uh I was just really impressed with the toughness that he showed to play 31 minutes and this uh, this is one game where actually the king's bench helped them uh coming into tonight the kings were plus 11.9 points per 100 with fox on the floor and negative 28.9 when he was on the bench Uh, and that actually turned today with Frank Mason being plus 11 uh, in 21 minutes. Not that he himself did all that much, but I, I thought that was impressive whether he should have been playing or not. Who knows? He, he was laboring a bit out there, but uh, you know, for a King scene that's not making the playoffs, I guess it's not as important to like rest him and save him. Also a successful night, especially early on. He had a couple of, a couple of shots as the Kings kind of started to get into an offensive rhythm from Buddy Heald. Heald was only one for four from three, but seven of 10 from mid range and was, was really getting to making a good living there 
there, ended the game with 25 points on 18 shooting possessions, and also had 11 rebounds, which is which is good for him, only turned the ball over twice. And Troy Williams has come into their rotation as a sub, basically, for Amon Shumpert, who is still unavailable. And I didn't think he necessarily looked great, but he did all the... Like, I, I, he, he was there, and he was hitting the shots that, you re- that they really needed from him. And in this game, you know, the, the, as you said, the bench helped helped prop them up. And at, at moments, Troy Williams was a part of he those lineups. 34 minutes, and he hit two massive threes from the right corner. And Troy, I mean, if you ever watched him in Summer League, he'll like catch the ball and shoot the ball like he's he's one of the few guys where like he'll shoot it and he's a bad shooter but he'll shoot it like he's a good shooter he just gets it out of his hand really quickly he'll just bomb it and so he's able to make a couple uh kind of tough corner threes but generally has not shot that well and then this team has really been wanting to get out in transition they didn't do that quite as much in this game with fox more hobbled but williams is unbelievable in transition he's just shot out of a cannon every time he finishes these layups uh you know just puts guys on their heels running the wings he's a kind of an old school transition wing runner uh and and he could be really good there played some solid defense had two blocks you know the magic are not a team that is going to take advantage of someone like williams who you know is not known as the most attentive player necessarily um what did you think of uh malvin bagley's game i was thinking melvin bagley but yeah that that probably works so the concept of that is because he doesn't have an r he doesn't have a right hand so he shouldn't have an r in his name yeah but he but definitely should have fine. an l you know like definitely should have as many yeah, l's so, as you can I mean, put in there i mean yeah and, malvin oh can we talk about the play the play that the play that pissed me off the most in this game was when bomba bomba's sitting there and and i mean we've talked about bagley and those guys have played against each other they played against each other in college that was one of the one of the more fun games that i watched in film footage and bagley's coming at him on the left side of the paint and for whatever reason mo bomba just plays his right hand and then bagley spins to his left and gets an easy layup yeah. and I'm just sitting there going like I mean you're you're there's the split of you're a rookie and that's okay maybe you don't know the scattering report you're sitting there like this there's only one thing you need to know with Bagley and yeah he had one he had five offensive rebounds in this five of the eight for the for the Kings in this game but offensively all you need to know is one thing and that's just he's doing everything with his left hand so play that yeah please. and even when he goes left shoulder he can't even like shoot with his left hand going left shoulder there's one play where he had the guy beat but then tried to like go for this crazy reverse layup that he almost managed to shoot it over the backboard without hitting anything uh but you know he just has a lot of bounce obviously he gets on the glass um when his second jump is yeah, amazing I mean, he is he's up there with one of like the best second jumps you're ever gonna see uh and he actually had, it was two of three from downtown he had one that rimmed in and then he actually did a grab and go and just walked into a three-pointer off the dribble uh for his other make um but you know he, this is just kind of a progress report on him i don't think he was a major component of why they won this game they did go with him at center with bielitsa playing with him on the second unit and bielitsa it was discussed as the Sixers were struggling today what a big swing that was of Bielitsa going to Sacramento and now actually playing at the four he had 21 points on only 15 shooting possessions and the way he's spaced four he's played pretty much exclusively at the four everyone thought oh he's going to start at the three but that is not the case um and then another guy who didn't shoot well tonight, uh, but just as overall impressed me with his skill level is Willie Cauley Stein. Uh, he had 14 points, and although he was six of 15 from the field, but I, I think he just and he had some really nice switch possessions late against. You know, this is not this is a very switchable team. Uh, the Magic are offensively. You know, he's against John Simmons, who's not some advanced ball handler. But Cauley Stein is starting to become what we thought. But in particular, just his skill level around the rim with like hooks and like actually doing some spin moves 
Musa and just showing some feel I mean I just remember him like throwing the ball off the backboard on some of these finishes where he just had no touch at all and he's really worked on that so he deserves a lot of credit uh he's improved to a level with that that I didn't think was possible for him he was also really good in the hustle stats from this game six screen assists which is a lot for any team and then six deflections 10 contested shots and 12 blocks outs and yeah I mean it's a, a good overall game from him Kali Stein is going to be one of the more challenging free agents to calibrate his value because when you see him play well you sit there and go oh yeah he can do this against a lot of teams and then everyone's all have a real clunker but he's been so much he's he's grown a lot over the course of his career and I'm really you know we were talking I mean in in his second year about how big a disappointment he was but he really has grown especially this year for me a couple other small notes on the Kings Costa Kufos has returned from a hamstring injury uh he got Harry Giles minutes and then when Kufos wasn't playing he played 13 minutes as the backup center that's when they went to those Bagley at center lineups that I mentioned so Giles is out of the rotation then Yogi Ferrell who we thought would be an upgrade on what Frank Mason gave them last year at backup point he uh, also got a DMP with Mason getting 21 minutes the magic I thought that Mo Bamba's game was probably the most noteworthy thing to discuss here. Uh, five block shots. He definitely was causing problems for the Kings at the rim, uh, in particular as the Magic trailed by 13 after the third quarter, in which they had scored only 16 points. And they made a run in the fourth, got within three, and Bamba was a big part of that. He had three of his blocks during that period. He was getting guys in, just kind of surprising them, you know, shots that are out of the guy's hand. He's going and getting it. Um, so that was good. He uh, hit his only three. I'd like to see him do more three point shooting. Oh, can yeah. I talk about that three? Yeah. So that was it. Was an it was a nice play. It was kind of a poor job executing the scattering report by Sacramento, where it was a a pick and pop, and they just both the Kings went to I think it was DJ Augustine that made the pass, and Augustine just throws behind back. But it was a totally yeah. in rhythm three by Mobamba, and when you look as comfortable as he does with those, do it more often because Orlando's offense is not really producing so much that those are comparatively low value shots. They're offense is not producing many good looks and that's a big big concern that i have for them overall is just that they're not you know if it's not in transition and it it basically requires either a really nice play by somebody who's not typically doing that or a big mistake by the defense which is actually feels like 75 percent of terrence ross's threes are either in transition or by somebody just completely losing him for some reason but they're just there aren't as many places to go and i feel a little bit for aaron gordon because sometimes he feels like he in a better circumstance he could be doing more but he's he's not at the level for me where he can really propel an offense he's more of a a complimentary a complimentary offensive piece yeah bamba is currently shooting 33 percent from downtown on two attempts a game uh so yeah you would like to see a little more that it does look pretty smooth from probably the best part of his offensive game uh so he actually in the second quarter they took bamba out brought back vucevic and the kings went on a nice run to lead at halftime and then with the way Bamba was playing, it seemed like Clifford was going to stick with him. And then out of an ATO, he gets stripped trying to do a dribble handoff. And then he threw away another dribble handoff that ended up in a pick six. And so by that point, the, the game was over, but they went back to Vucevic for the last two minutes. So it, that was that was pretty ugly. That's why Clifford took him out at the end, just those two ugly turnovers. A um, couple other notes here. I thought Aaron Gordon just has had some nice possessions so far this year. Coming over as a weak side help defender in verticality. You know, he's playing more as kind of the three. So he doesn't have a chance to do that much. And then John Isaac... 
I'm a little worried about his offense. His three-pointer does not look good in the games that I've seen, although the numbers on it are not awful. He's not getting up very many of them. I think he's shooting like, you know, 34% or something in the early going. But anytime like kind of a mediocre player gets matched up against him and tries to go at him, uh, like Bielitsa was one, tried to take him off the dribble. He just had no chance. Like Isaac just completely swallowed him up. As long as Isaac is not getting overwhelmed strength-wise, I mean, he's already very good isolation d- defender here. Um, although Isaac did not close the game. They went with Terrence Ross, who was really the only guy who was hitting shots. This was a, a difficult game for the Magic. I would guess that their shot quality was higher than the Kings, but they shot a mere 11 of 43 from downtown. Uh, and Fournier had a rough game, three out of 13. Isaac was 0 of 4 on threes. Gordon was two out of seven. So, I mean, these aren't amazing shooters taking these shots necessarily, uh, but th- they got some open ones that could have gone down a little more than they did. Yeah, that that's what I wanted to say. Is And, and some of those were just defensive failures by Sacramento. And I, I mean, happy for them that they're doing so well, but we'll see how that works against against other teams. So praise them for, this, for the success that they've had and for grinding through games like this. I mean, there are a lot of reasons you could expect them to, to struggle. I mean, just dealing with their point guard, who's the key of their offense, being heard and everything. And they they have a lot of guys. And I think it's interesting that even though they have a lot of players that are kind of similar quality, that in this game, at least Jaeger narrowed the rotation, that it was only nine guys and Kufos only played 13 minutes. But I mean, they got more from from the guys that they put out there for the most part than than they would have expected from the bench guys. I still think Farrell's better than Mason. Yeah. But other than that, I don't really have too many, too many issues with what they did. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of different players. I mean, Farrell's been playing more off the ball to some degree in dallas he's not really much of a distributor but you know much a much better shooter off a of pick and roll we'll see what ends up happening there uh let's turn now to memphis and washington the wizards falling to one in six uh although five of their seven games have been on this early west coast swing uh when they lost their first two at home you figured it would be pretty rough but there's another game that wasn't that close by the end um washington was done in despite 14 to 35 40 percent three-point shooting on a high volume uh, 20 turnovers, including nine for John Wall, uh, who again, despite 22 points and efficient shooting, uh, he hit four out of seven three pointers. Really struggled. They weren't guarding him a lot from three, and, and he hit some late. But I thought that Mike Conley just leaving him every single time. Zach Lowe talked about this on his pod today that when Wall gives up the ball, he's not cutting. He's not much of a spot up threat in general and so yeah he did hit that four out of seven to make his line respectable but there are a lot of times where mike conley was just helping on all the stuff they like to run with brad beal where they curl him into the lane um and then Wall's defensive effort was atrocious. He, like Ugh. there's, a, uh, Matt Moore tweeted about this, how uh, Garrett Temple just blew right by him. I mean, on just a normal closeout where Wall like never got into a stance. He let Shelvin Mack, late clock, just like pull up for a three right in his face without pressuring him. Like, guess what? Like Shelvin Mack's not going to go by you. Like you could pressure up a little bit more late in the clock. Uh, So th- that wasn't good. Uh, you know, the whiz, yeah. Oh, I want to add, I want to add something to the turnover thing. Cause this is totally amazing. Not only did Washington turn the ball over 20 times 16 of those were live ball turnovers we talked on the 15 to 60 about how Memphis was generating all these turnovers like oh that's not going to continue it's like well this game only strengthened all that and I mean it's really hard to beat a team if you give them 16 just basically runs the other way yeah and you know Kyle Anderson plus 10 
four steals for him. Marcus Hall had five steals, uh, so he's he's been more active than uh, you know he was last year. We talked about that on, on the fifteen and sixty some. Jaron Jackson, his minutes have been falling. His production has been falling. He played a mere ten minutes. He got his fourth personal foul a minute into the second half and never returned. Um, they went with Rab as the backup center rather than bringing Jackson back in, uh, which is a little odd to me. Uh, and, and then Mike Conley, although he didn't shoot it well, he just he's the only guy on this memphis team and he just as someone who can run the show get the rhythm of the offense going give them some kind of shot making when the clock breaks down uh runs down i should say um you know it's just a massive improvement and shelvin mack actually uh has been playing pretty well for this team he had 14 he actually started the second half and then they went with actually you know, he actually i don't know if he did start the second half. i think they might have brought him in for jackson actually come to think of it yeah they did yeah jackson picked up that foul and then they brought in mack and they went on a uh 17 to 1 run yeah. to start the third quarter when that and that's really when the sky fell something i want to mention with jaron jackson's fouls in this game i haven't watched all of his games to say if this is true a lot of it was kind of the young guy trying to do too much so his fourth foul he set a screen on john wall for conley and he said made pretty good contact but then wall started getting around the screen and so he's like oh i'm just gonna move to follow john wall well that's a moving screen and that's an easy foul and so he had a couple of those like just trying to get through stuff or trying to trying to get a little bit of of extra on it and partially because young guys never get those calls and partially just with the renewed emphasis on freedom of movement he he's getting caught up a little bit in that but i don't see anything like structural wrong like oh he's making stupid plays or anything like that it's just need to straighten that out a little bit and i also think jb bickerstaff should try to give him a little bit more rope just because even though the, the grizzlies are competitive i mean now they're four and two rab doesn't really help your chances of winning much and jaron jackson he finished with four fouls like you know he, he it's not like he fouled yeah. out or anything like that i think you give him the chance to do that then you can go to rab and rab was fine in this game he wasn't bad to be sure he had eight eight and two i think in in 12 minutes but i didn't see him really stand out stand out too much in my opinion so I would give Jaron Jackson the latitude, even if he's a little bit frustrating, especially when they had a fair amount of maybe not full garbage time, but garbage-esque time in, in the second half of this game. Yeah, Garrett Temple dropped 20. He was 4-7 from 3. Oh, did you see did you see what happened no. after the game? It seemed it seemed like so Garrett Temple who was on the Wizards 2 years ago, he, it seemed like he was basically like consoling Wall and Beal, who guys he guys he used to play with and just like or like talking with them and you have all these personal relationships, but I mean, this must be surreal for the guys I, Jared Dudley was tweeting about it a little bit today who have been a part of this organization and you know know the talent involved here to see this team not only 1 and 6 but generally getting their asses kicked in their losses. Yeah. As Fred Hoiberg would say, he he loves to Hoiberg loves to use the word ass when they really get get killed, especially by the Warriors. I think he's used ass in his uh, yearly "We Got Destroyed by the Warriors" press conference. Uh, but anyway yeah it's just rough i mean i think the effort level is not there i mean the first play of the game kyle anderson out hustles their entire team to get an offensive rebound like otto porter just like you know didn't react to the ball he was just sort of like oh the ball's over there should i go get it oh i guess i should you know we i've talked about this before where if you just kind of if every time you see a loose ball your decision process is ah do i have to go get that okay i guess i will versus ball get it like you know and that's what kyle anderson did and that's why he got that loose ball it was just a, a very it just stuck out to me as being the first play of the game when you shouldn't be tired at all uh uh porta did play a little bit better in this game um i was also struck that as they were in the midst of that 17-1 run brooks calls timeout and then you know biggest possession of the game we got to stanch the bleeding here he goes to a jeff green post up 
uh, against Anderson, like not even an attempt to like get him a favorable matchup. And that went as you would have expected. Kelly Oubre has been a bright spot, at least offensively for the Wizards, although he's certainly plenty of the part of their defensive problem. He he had no idea how to guard a Spain pick and roll. And that was basically the icing shot that Mike Conley hit uh, as the screener in the Spain pick and roll. And then he just popped out and Oubre was just standing under the rim and no idea what was going on. Uh, but he has looked more facile offensively he's, he's added stuff to his game slowly got to the foul line in this one at 16 points he hit a step back three of those getting a little thirsty uh from out there and uh you know he might be one of these guys that beal and wall are complaining about like not kind of knowing their role and being worried about contracts which Ubre is because uh, if he plays well i don't think washington will be able to afford to bring him back unless they make major changes um yeah what do you got one one play that cracked me up in this game, I think it was in the second quarter, Jan Mahimi fouled Mike Conley in transition when the Grizzlies were in the bonus. And so I genuinely don't know if he was just didn't know that Memphis was in the bonus or it's just Jan Mahimi and he just can't help himself from fouling. So I was sitting there because like there were a couple of plays in various games this where I'm sitting there going like, I don't know if this what kind of mistake this was. It was certainly a mistake. And with Jan Mahimi, he's so foul prone that I'm actually giving him the benefit of the doubt and not knowing the not knowing the foul situation yeah <laughs> yeah Jan, uh, oh something i yeah. wanted to ask you with Mem- as washington's figuring all this out and and you know there are some bigger problems and maybe and some things that'll also be corrected just by having more depth i mean they really did miss marquise morris in this game i feel like as they're figuring out and trying to find answers here they should be giving sadaransky more run he just uh, just a competent player who kind of knows what's going on out there tries when he's out i mean and last year he really did step up when they needed somebody with john wall and so even if it's just like supporting somebody who's been there with you before i feel like he could give them a- it's worth a try at least and he basically you know he's an afterthought right now in scott brooks rotation yeah in fact he played six minutes in the first half and then did not play at all i don't think in the second half austin rivers was the point guard who you know he he might be a little better option than sadaransky defensively at least as an on-ball guy uh but certainly is not a natural point guard uh you know they're playing him next to beal beal is doing a lot of the initiation 40 minutes for bradley beal and 38 for porter here so they definitely were trying to get this one despite you know being relatively out of contact for most of the second half they made a little bit of a run to get back into it the grizzlies also imposed their pace they have been doing that this was an old school i mean at least relative to uh you know three four years ago only 95 possessions uh that would have been about average a couple years ago but uh memphis did impose their pace there uh and it's especially remarkable that there are only 11 offensive rebounds total in this game and it still was an incredibly slow pace so they definitely uh were able to keep the whiz out of transition for the most part but a lot of that uh, as we talked about in the 15 and 60 is memphis just really runs through their action slowly and against a team like the wizards who are only going to take so much time to break down in a given possession memphis actually put up a very nice offensive game one 14 offensive rating um all right i think that's a uh, that's all i got here you want to uh anything that you need to talk about before we go no not necessarily i mean i'm excited hopefully we get to see anthony davis in in person in the game on wednesday uh, if you haven't read it you can read my piece on the rookie scale options also you can listen to the podcast that we did and i'll have something out for the athletic san francisco at some point during this week i, I it's submitted but i think they're just spacing it out on on mckinney and Jerebko because i think what they've done has been very interesting this year so you can keep an eye out for that though i'm guessing that'll be thursday or yeah the athletic.com slash cat space uh by the way athletic got uh 40 million dollars in funding today which was uh which was big news valuation of 200 million although it was that, that's pretty comparable to some of the some of the other like similar sports media properties although they certainly are growing quite quickly and uh 
are producing a lot more content with a lot bigger names especially in the basketball space um including you and me very rarely all right uh that'll do it for today we'll be back tomorrow we'll finish up the 15 and 60 tomorrow and uh see what else we can come up with maybe a little little something different um and then uh we'll be doing uh our live cast on thursday for buck celtics let's really hope that Giannis is able to make it back uh by that point uh although i think it'll still be really interesting even if he can't because the bucks uh, have been playing so well even without him all right talk to y'all next time